This is the Impact Report. I'm your host, Katie Elman. The Impact Report brings together students and faculty in Bard College's MBA in Sustainability program with leaders in business, sustainability, finance, social entrepreneurship, and more. These conversations go live the first and third Friday of each month. This week, Bard MBA Sahara James speaks with Rob Threlkeld, Global Manager, Sustainable Energy, Supply, and Reliability at General Motors. Good morning, Mr. Threlkeld. Um, it's really great to have the opportunity to speak with you. Um, I'm just really happy that you were able to make the time and we're going to have a really great conversation about sustainability at GM. Great and welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so um, you have, so GM is over a hundred year old company and I imagine that it's changed dramatically since its inception. Uh, you've been with GM for the better part of two decades. Uh, how has the company and your role changed? Uh, has it changed during your experience? Yeah, now that's a great question. And over the course of, as you noted, almost two decades, uh, a lot of the initial focus in my, my early part of my career was on uh, on operations and energy efficiency efforts, uh, ironically changing T12 uh, light bulbs out to T8 light bulbs. Uh, and as you fast forward now, uh, it's significantly still focused on energy efficiency, which is obviously where it needs to be. And we're now switching out those T8 light bulbs with LEDs, but more emphasis also on the procurement of more sustainable energy, you know, from renewable energy resources. Uh, GM has been spearheading a lot of renewable energy efforts going back, you know, many decades uh, as well, starting with some of our landfill gas projects uh, that were burning landfill gas and our boilers uh, to using solar on a rooftop starting in 2005 to now offsite procurement of a sizable amount of wind portfolio supporting our production facilities in Texas, Ohio, and Indiana with wind uh, coming from uh, virtual power purchase agreements. So it's changed dramatically as we've seen the prices of, of renewables come down significantly over the course of really the last 10 years uh, and the amount of renewables that are coming online uh, has increased significantly. So that's one of the biggest changes I've seen. You know, the focus is obviously still on energy efficiency, but the amount and the and the amount of renewables and the price of renewables coming down significantly in the course of, of my career at GM here. That's really awesome, um, especially because obviously GM is, you know, such a such a huge industry, such a huge company to see that, you know, things like uh, prices of uh, renewal for sustainable and renewable energy, you know, you guys can kind of help that process. So that's really great, actually. Um, so as an MBA student, I'm always interested in the professional background of anyone who has kind of made their way up in their field. So I'm curious, what is your professional background and how did you become the global manager of sustainable energy supply and reliability at GM? Great. That's a good question. So my uh, my background is actually civil engineering, hydraulics, graduated from Purdue University in uh, 98 and with a master's in 2000 that actually focused on uh, remediation as well. Hired into GM uh, designing uh, our wastewater treatment plants, uh, which obviously moves a lot of water from point A to point B. Uh, and that was found interest in, but quickly saw that I wanted to get into operations. Uh, and so my early part of my career went from engineering into actually operating uh, some of our largest power plants uh, and wastewater treatment plants uh, in the company. Uh, so my background uh, is in hydraulics and engineering, but 
as you've seen, uh, as I've gotten into the, the areas of powerhouse management, I had a lot of interest uh, of how to how the energy that we use and where does it come from. And so that's actually gotten me to where I am today, which is leading all of our global energy procurement efforts, uh, whether it's renewables, natural gas, you know, electricity, water, sewer, and the equipment that actually goes into our powerhouse operations. So the engineering degree was definitely a key uh, of understanding the technical side of our operations, but ultimately supported me to the position that I am today, which is leading our whole entire energy efforts uh, of the company. That's interesting. And if you don't mind, I have a follow-up question. Sure. So it seems that your, um, so your degree, you know, gave you the kind of engineering background to get into it. Um, in terms of management, would you say that that's something that you kind of acquired through your role at GM? Is that, is that a skill that you kind of built yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I've been a, a very, it's interesting being, being an engineer, but I'm a, very big extrovert. Uh, and so I uh, really enjoy working with people. Uh, and I think that, you know, as I saw the opportunity of what I could do to bridge my technical side of my background with actually how to explain it and lead the organization, really put a lot of interest into where I, to what I do today. So it's, you know, I think it's a strong interest and desire to really lead an organization to really change and think differently. Uh, and that's what I thoroughly enjoy doing today. Awesome. Awesome. So next question, um, how can you talk about the GM's four-pronged energy strategy? Uh, specifically, are what are some challenges, some opportunities, and victories that you have encountered and achieved? Yes. So as we marched down our path to ultimately zero emissions, uh, we did join RE100 uh, in 2016, and we do have a four-pronged kind of strategy towards that. Uh, the first uh, pillar being energy efficiency. As we've noted, that's really the, the way to go. If you can reduce, that's what ultimately what you want to do, but you're never going to reduce to zero because you always got to use energy in the business. Uh, the second right. pillar is, you know, using, you know, and trying to find renewable energy and other resources that are zero carbon. Uh, and so that is our second pillar. The third one is leveraging, you know, as a car company, tra transitioning to an all-electric future. And how do we think about energy differently? It used to be what, you know, a barrel of oil is and a gallon of gasoline to, you know, how is that kilowatt hour of electricity generated and how is it being consumed? So our four third pillar is around, you know, energy storage, you know, whether it's fuel cells, batteries, or electric vehicles, and how do we think about, you know, rates and the design that support ultimately, you know, our electrification efforts. And then the fourth one is around policy. You know, how do we leverage the scale of General Motors, uh, being a 100-year-old company as we are, uh, to also our size and scale on a global basis to, to drive that change, whether it's, you know, support for energy efficiency efforts, whether it's support for renewable energy design or tariffs or transmission, uh, or how do we think about integrating energy storage into the overall process? So that's really been our four pillar strategy, you know, as we march towards it. <clears throat> Interestingly enough, you know, I can kind of provide actually a little context of how the four pillar strategy came together. Yeah, please do. GM set in 2011 uh, a target to procure 125 megawatts of renewables by 2020. Uh, which we were one of the first corporations to actually establish a renewable target uh, in that time. And that was actually before renewables became really mainstream and the prices have come down to the levels they are today. Fast forward to 2016 uh, with some of our first offsite wind projects that, that now power our Arlington Assembly facility, 100% renewables. Uh, we surpassed that 125 megawatt target four years ahead of schedule. Uh, and so the question was, what is our next goal going to look like? Uh, and that's when I actually proposed and the team here proposed uh, joining RE100. 
Uh, when we did the initial pitch to leadership, there was a lot of questions about, wow, we're putting a lot of our, you know, eggs in one basket, if you want to call it, into just renewables. Uh, and, you know, is there more to this? And ironically, as we took back that comment from leadership, the four pillar strategy really came about. And it's everything we're really doing as a company to really drive this space forward. And when we kind of came back to leadership and said, hey, we're really going to, we're doing the same thing we're doing today, but we're going to explain it to you in a much clearer way. Not just renewables, but it's energy efficiency, it's energy storage, it's electrification, and it's, you know, our policy. And then it became a much clearer picture as to how do we actually, or how are we going to achieve ultimately our RE100 commitment. So that's ended up allowing us to be able to join, you know, RE100 and, and ultimately get leadership, you know, approval to say, hey, this is something we can actually do as a company, and, and there's really a means to actually get there. And then that was really the, the way of how the four pillar strategy answered the question of, wow, we seem to be putting everything into renewables, and the reality of it as a company, we're not. We're actually focused across multiple areas and driving to a zero emissions future. I really think that's great because um, something that we discuss a lot in our classes is how uh, sustainability is uh, definitely a comprehensive effort, and it's something that has to be tackled from, uh, if, if a company is going to pursue it, it's something that has to be uh, tackled in each uh, operation. So it seems that you guys are kind of tackling it from different angles. Um, and also, I've just, I've just noticed that you guys are taking a very holistic approach in the sense that you guys are tackling this both internally and externally. So it's with the products that you're producing, but you're also making sure that, you know, there are more um, charging stations for EVs, which is also, you know, a, a kind of a way of like thinking ahead and thinking forward about what you're putting onto the market. You have to make sure, well, if we're going to put out, you know, more EV cars, you have to make sure that there are more places to charge these EV cars. And, and then internally, you guys are, you know, uh, funding STEM, STEM education. So you're kind of making sure that there's more input into your company and into the industry in general, um, you know, kind of educating the future to also get into this industry. You guys are kind of controlling the input and the output. And I, I really think that that's an awesome approach. Yeah, exactly. And one of the biggest things is really in, in a large company, and you can do this in a small company as well, is really connecting the dots. You know, and then how do you internalize as well as externalize that story, uh, you know, and, and really connecting the dots to show what the company is doing in the broader space. I mean, another great example, as you commented on the STEM, uh, some of the wind PPAs, uh, we actually did a ribbon cutting uh, for our Northwest Ohio wind farm, which is literally just south of our Defiance uh, foundry. Uh, and it, the ribbon cutting was actually at, at these local junior senior high school. Uh, and there they talked about how the tax revenue associated with the wind farms has helped improve not just the roads in the area, but actually education. Uh, they actually hired intervention specialists with some of the, the tax revenue that had come in as a result of the wind farms being in this area to support the lower at risk 20 percentile of the students and what they were able to show is the test scores of all the students improved you know as a result of you know really when you think about it rural america the wind farms and solar that are being developed in those areas are, are locations that traditionally have not seen these types of investments so you know right. i think it's it's another way it, you know as you look at corporations trying to drive sustainability stem can actually be tied into this broader messaging as well that's absolutely true, and I think it's I think it's really uh, revolutionary that GM is taking that into account. Uh, just to uh, turn back to leadership at GM, so the chairman and CEO Mary Barra, uh, she writes 
uh, in the leadership message uh, to stakeholders, and she uh, talked about the initiatives that GM is taking on. And I personally, I really like the message of uh, zero crashes, zero emissions, and zero congestion. Do you mind just speaking a bit about that? Sure. And that was, you know, as we look towards our all-electric future, and you think about autonomous vehicles, electric vehicles, uh, and ultimately your your transportation and mobility of the future, you know, I one of the greatest things that I think, you know, as you focus on and, and starting to connect the dots is, is simplification. You know, you want to be able to get that communi- you know, that communication out to not just, as I mentioned, internalize and externalize around a common theme and, and zero, you know, crashes, zero emissions, and zero congestion, really kind of a lean towards what that future is going to look like. One of the things that from my standpoint that aligns quite nicely as I as I went out with RE100 in 2016 is the zero emissions align quite nicely uh, with what we're trying to do on the manufacturing side of the business with now our product side. Uh, and so that really helps align the company, as I mentioned, kind of connecting the dots, uh, both with what we're doing as far as the company goes internally, but then as we look at outside of the company, when we think of it, as you noted earlier, the policy side of it. So I think as, as we've looked at this, um, you know, it's having that, what I would say, you know, really clear and concise messaging that can be resonating throughout the entire company. And that's where zero crashes, zero emissions, and zero congestion play a key part of that as we try to drive towards our future. Awesome. And I think it also uh, contributes to creating a clear vision. Um, yes. Because I feel like um, it can it can get it can be easy to get lost in the weeds when a company is um, trying to incorporate sustainability into their operations. So if you are able to create you know a concise message, it makes it a lot clearer. Yep, you said it. That was the word I was looking for earlier. Concise message, exactly. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so with a commitment to disrupt and embrace change coming from the top leadership at the company, how do you see the future of sustainability at GM and within the industry as a whole? And then as a follow-up question, how do you balance wanting to create wanting to create leverage for competition versus wanting to lead the rest of the industry? Those are two great questions. So as far as looking for the future of sustainability, you know, it becomes core to the business. You know, it, you know, as we talked kind of earlier in the conversation, you know, the efforts of sustainability was a nice to have, uh, you know, several couple decades back because it was the right thing to do. But now it's right. becoming core to the business. You know, it's driving shareholder value, you know, investor value. It's driving what our customers are wanting uh, and it's driving what our employees want. So it's really sustainability is becoming is core to the business now as we think about it you know everyone's job should be focused on what do they need to do to use less of something do you use can you reuse something and how do we then use it smarter in the future uh, and that kind of gets towards our zero crashes zero emissions and zero congestion as we just talked about so it's becoming what i see now core to the business and you're seeing employees engaged in all levels figuring out better ways to leverage the resources that we've got in ways that allows us to either reuse it or use it smarter in the future. Awesome. And and so do you how how do you guys leverage? Because I've just always been curious about when it comes to sustainability, I do feel like companies should work together, but at the same time there's always just kind of like the natural want for competition. So how much are you guys working with other companies versus trying to be, you know, like the leader? Yeah, no, that's a great, you know, analogy, you know, and I think right now sustainability is still something that is core to the business and something that I think many companies are still, 
you know, looking at how do we best implement, as I mentioned, internalize and externalize that. Uh, and so it's still in the numbers, uh, ultimately, and the power right. is in the numbers to make change. Uh, and so companies that want to lead are going to be out there supporting, you know, these types of efforts like General Motors has. And there's still a lot of space for companies to grow in this effort. So for change to really happen, it's powers and the numbers of the companies to actually make the movement occur. How you then socialize that both internally and externally is how you can show the leadership position of any given company and how they're doing this. So I think there's still a lot to be said for the power and the numbers. You know, General Motors is, is, was one of the founding members of the Renewable Energy Buyers Alliance, uh, which now yep. has you know, almost 200 companies uh, plus that are you know, leading the drive towards uh, more renewables being brought online. Uh, both on a U.S. basis, but thinking about how do we connect the dots on the, on the various global connections that these companies have. Uh, and so there's still a lot of bandwidth for that type of, you know, change to happen because there's so much change that has to occur in a short period of time. We've seen a lot, but there still has to be a lot that has to happen. Uh, and so leading companies that are out there driving this change will be the ones that are shown as leaders, but it's also bringing the rest of the industry with it. When you think about a company the size of General Motors, you know, with the massive amount of supply chain that we've got, you know, we can leverage the leadership position to really make that change occur, but then think about it in a way that actually supports the smaller companies that, you know, are suppliers of not just General Motors, but other companies as well, uh, to help support that change for the future. That's inspiring. I love that. <laughs> uh, so, um, just moving to a little bit of more of a general view, what do you see as the biggest sustainability challenge we have to take on during 2020? That is great. So we're just talking about the year of 2020. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because one of the things I'll, I'll comment to that as I get into the year of 2020, but I do think there's kind of a correlation to the 1920s. And I know I'm jumping off a little bit here, but you know, everybody called the 1920s, the roaring twenties. And I do think from right. 2020 to 2030, you're going to see a massive amount of change in how we actually buy and consume of electricity than how it's going to look for the next century. So I think it's quite interesting to make an, a correlation to how fast change is happening and the transformation that's going to occur. As far as in 2020, I think one of the key challenges is how does battery storage still fit into this picture? Uh, it's still a niche product. Uh, but it's something that is a need uh, in order for renewables to really go mainstream because uh, the intermittency of both from wind and solar, you know, storage is really I mean, the key component of that, whether that comes from batteries, fuel cells, um, you know, deciding, you know, to de design tariffs for electric vehicles. Storage is going to be the key part. We've seen a few states starting to really tackle the issue, California and Massachusetts, you know, that are starting to really look at battery storage as a strength. Uh, and I think that's one of the key things that, you know, it's, it's still in that kind of infant stages, but we really need to be driving towards, you know, mainstream solutions. Awesome. And we're going to wrap up with this uh, last question here. What do you see as the biggest challenge in your day-to-day -day work as a global manager in sustainability? I think is the amount of transformation and that's taking place at the pace it is with the people resources to allow that change to occur. And it kind of gets back to the, the kind of a comment and some of this, the suggestions or discussions we had earlier. How do we then integrate the amount of change that's taking place within what I would consider your day-to-day -day jobs of everyone that's working within the company so that you start to connect the dots in a way that that change becomes part of everyone's role and not just the small team that's trying to lead the ultimate transformation. And so to me, that's one of the biggest challenges right now as we look at it from a company perspective that drive it down to the person that's you know, engineering the next vehicle 
to that actually is doing the integration of that design to the actual production of that vehicle. Everybody has a part in sustainability and it's getting that message down to everyone to really understand that they have that ability to make that change uh, in order to ultimately speed up the transformation of the company. That's definitely really important. Um, like it, uh, like I mentioned, sustainability, is a, it has to have a holistic approach. And part of that is how, ma how many people in the company are involved with it. And I definitely believe that the more people that you get involved, you're kind of diversifying the ideas that can be inputted and that can only allow for more creativity and better solutions. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, well, that's all I have for you today. Thank you so much, Mr. Threckle, for your time. Um, I really appreciate um, your conversation, and I will continue to be looking at GM and what they're doing now and what you guys are going to be doing in the future. Great. Lots of great things going on and a lot of opportunity out there. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Learn more about sustainability at General Motors by visiting gmsustainability.com. Join us for the next episode of the Impact Report on Friday, November 1st, when we'll be speaking with Evan Harvey, Global Head of Sustainability for NASDAQ. For our complete lineup and other news, visit us at impactreportpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. The Bard MBA in Sustainability is one of a select few graduate programs globally that fully integrates sustainability into a core business curriculum. Learn more at bard.edu slash MBA.